For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who has seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexual immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Okay, then uh, chapter 22, <clears throat> 1 to 5. Then the angel showed me a river of the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will, no, uh, there will be no more night. <coughs> they will not need a light or a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Amen. Well, if you've just joined us today, uh, you've got us right at the end of a series that we've been working on. Uh, it's called uh, The Bible in Ten. Uh, it's a series that we've uh, been using and adapting from Creek Road, which has been great. I was down in Sydney uh, a couple of weeks ago when I went to Balmain Prezi. And guess what they were doing? The Bible in Ten. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Uh, it's been used all over places. It's great. It's been a great series and we've been working through that together. If the guys can click on the Bible talk, I think it should be hyperlinked and it may not be. No, it isn't. Can we have a quick chat to someone beside you? Uh, and I will link that and then we'll come back to it. There you go, document shortcut. Uh, Bible Talks 2018, Bible in 10.
slide story here. Uh, there was over a thousand people there. It was huge. Uh, it was a big auditorium. It had all the lights and everything was wonderful. Double screen happening, video going on, and they still had problems with their technology. <laughs> I cheered. I went, yeah, how good is it when they can have all that and they still muck up, which is fantastic. Uh, which is part of what it's like, isn't it? That's what happens in life. Uh, things aren't perfect and things don't go perfectly. And that's what we've been looking at in this story uh, of the Bible in 10. From the beginning uh, to the end, we've been watching and seeing that stories being unfolding, I think that how things aren't perfect. And we've been looking particularly at one of those issues within that uh, is both sin and shame. And we've been seeing that shame is something that has been flowing throughout the whole Bible and continues to flow today. Uh, I don't know whether you've noticed, but there's a lot to do with dress shaming these days or fashion shaming. That uh, if you're on uh, anything on the social media of any sort or if you're out there and you wear something that someone doesn't like, they'll shame you for it. Uh, and dress shaming, I think, has been part of the story from the beginning, hasn't it? If you remember back in uh, Genesis chapter 1 uh, and 2 and 3, it started off really well, didn't it? Adam and Eve didn't need to wear any dress. Uh, but then sin came in when they decided to run their lives their way and not God's way. And so they decided that they needed to cover up. And so fig leaf, sh fig leaf fashion became the raise, didn't it? Uh, they decided to get fig leaves to cover up. And from then on, they've continued. They've continued and we've continued to show that same thing. We've continued to cover up. And so what happens with Adam and Eve, as soon as that happens, the first thing they do is they cover up and then they hide. Their shame of what they did meant they covered up what they looked like and then they hid from God. And we've been continuing to do that throughout the rest of history. We've been continuing to hide from each other and to hide from God. We're continuing to cover up and not be open and not be vulnerable because we feel that shame. In the garden, they were naked. They felt no shame until they sinned against God and they hid and they felt shame. But you see, the amazing thing is the story of the Bible that goes from the beginning to the end moves from shame and being covered by fig leaves and being shamed to being beautifully dressed right at the end. Uh, so that's what we're going to be looking at. The big story today, what we're going to be seeing is what does our future look like? What does it look like for you and I? What is the future ahead of us? And what we're going to be seeing is that it's a whole lot better than just returning to Eden. It's going to be far better than that. So we're going to be looking at that today as we look at the Bible in 10, the very last part. And if you come into the story a little bit late, in one sense it's not too bad because if you take the first couple of chapters of the Bible and the last couple of chapters of the Bible, you can get a good picture of what the Bible's about. You can actually see that the Bible from the beginning to the end is one story. It's one story about God, the true story about God, the world and us. And the first couple of chapters of Genesis 1 to 3 and the last couple of chapters are amazing when we look at them together. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to have a look at some of the similarities and some of the differences and see how that impacts us and how we live today. 
So if you've got your Bibles open, uh, you don't have to jump back and forwards because you'll be able to see it on the screen as well. But if you keep near Revelation 21 and 22, you'll see how it goes. Uh, because we're going to see that uh, there's some very amazing similarities, but there's some wonderful differences as well. Uh, so right back in Revelation at the end of the one that Dean read to us, didn't we? You saw that, uh, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Where did we hear that? Back in Genesis chapter 1, didn't we? And God created the heavens and the earth. The heavens and the earth, and then there's going to be new ones in the next one. Uh, then we see that uh, the, uh, I saw the holy city, Jerusalem, and there was a bride. There's a wedding. There's a wedding at the end, and there was a wedding at the beginning. Remember the man and the woman? The first wedding happened there, right back in the beginning. They were joined and became one. And then uh, we saw that God lived with them too, didn't he? He walked amongst them. Uh, and he's going to dwell with them in Revelation. In Revelation, he's going to dwell with us. He, we will be his people and he will be our God and we will dwell with him. And what happened back in the Garden of Eden? God walked with them in the garden. Lots of similarities, isn't there? Lots of things you can see tying together from the very first book of the Bible and the very last book of the Bible. Uh, and it continues on. Uh, in the very last book of the Bible, we see that there's going to be cities of pure gold and onyx and all these amazing things that are going to be there. Back in Genesis chapter 2, there was gold and there was onyx there as well. And in uh, Revelation, there's a river that runs through, doesn't there? showed the river of the water of life running through the middle there. And there was a river watering the Garden of Eden as well. Similarities, isn't it? There's something that's going to be very similar to Eden as what there's going to be in eternity. There's some very similar things happening. Uh, and in it there was the tree of life in the Garden of Eden, uh, in Revelation as well. And in the Garden of Eden there was a tree of life as well. Now that hasn't come up particularly well in that. Can you see it up there? Uh, down the bottom there. Uh, but when we find out that there are some differences there as well, in the Garden of Eden, the tree was guarded at the end. In Revelation, the tree is open to people. Uh, when sin entered into the world, God didn't want us to live forever in that situation, that circumstance where we are broken and sinful and shameful and relationships are being destroyed, God didn't want us to live that way forever. So the tree of life that gives us life for eternity was guarded. But then in Revelation we find out that it actually becomes the healing of the nations, that the tree changes, that the leaves become the way in which we are healed and shame is, is gone and no longer there, that we're going to live forever. See there, the leaves of the tree are for healing. The tree is there, it's open and available for everybody where it was guarded before. And so what's happened, the two trees, there's one at the beginning, one at the end, and the reason that the one at the end can be like it is because there was one in the middle. You see the tree that Jesus was hung on. You see how the story fits? The tree at the beginning is guarded and you can't go there. He doesn't want it and we can't because it... God doesn't want us to stay that way. The tree at the end is life and healing and the reason that we can have that is because the tree in the middle where Jesus hung on the cross for you and I on that tree is the healing for our shame and our sin. Where Jesus takes that all for you and I. Isn't that amazing? 
Uh, you see, because what happens, because of that tree, uh, things have changed. The death and the crying that we had back in the Garden of Eden at the end there turns, whoa, turns to no more death. It changes, doesn't it? Because of the tree in the middle, we go from death and crying to no more death. We have life eternally. Uh, back then, because of the tree, back then, because of our sin, it was cursed. Now the curse is removed in Revelation 22. No longer will be sin, death and the curse. No longer will be there. Completely got rid of. Back then, they were walking in the garden in the presence of God and then that was closed off but now the presence of God is going to be there no longer does it need to be symbolic we don't need a temple anymore we don't need some symbolism anymore we're going to be standing and seeing the Lamb Jesus forever what a wonderful picture isn't it that's what it's going to be like it's going to be better than Eden. When we look back to Eden, we think, wow, I want to be back there. Well, actually, it's going to be better than that. It's going to be so much better than that. That's how great it's going to be in our eternity when we're with him forever in that place. And you see, back then, uh, God said, there, let there be lights and it'll be shone from there. But in the future, we won't need the, the light, in a sense, because it'll be shone from Jesus. It won't be the S-U-N, it'll be the S-O-N that brings light and glory to everything. The Lamb is its Lamb. You see, what powers eternity is the loving sacrifice of Jesus to deal with all our sin and shame. That's what's going to power eternity. It's his love and his sacrifice for you and I. That's the eternity that he has for us. That's the eternity he has before us. That's what we have in front of us for you and I who trust and believe in Jesus. We're going to have a feast. We're going to sit and have a feast with Jesus. We're going to be washed clean because of Jesus. We're going to have an abundance that comes all because of Jesus. We're going to actually share in the kingdom with Jesus, with his kingship in eternity because of Jesus. We're going to be, have the power of the resurrection will be completely known because of Jesus' power of the resurrection is going to be flooding through us. The fig leaves are going to be gone. No longer is it fig leaf passion. It changes. Right at the end we see that we go back from being naked and hiding and covering up to being beautifully dressed. See the picture all the way through. It comes right to the end of Revelation. And there we stand, beautifully dressed. No shame, no sin. With God, with Jesus and all who love him for eternity. That's the way we want to be dressed. Dressed with Jesus is what it is. That's what that beautiful pure white is about. It's purity. It's being dressed by him. It says there, look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains close so as not to go naked and shamefully exposed. Dressed with Jesus. That's what we'll be like. But that's what we want to be like, isn't it? You see, those that have had their robes washed that are white, they've been washed by Jesus. 
That's when we put our trust in him. He takes all of it and cleanses every part of it for you and I. How good is the tree of life in the middle of the story that we've read in the Bible? That is ours in Jesus. You see, that's been the picture as we've gone through. We've seen that sin and shame has been something that has impacted us and keeps impacting us. But Jesus has dealt with it and our future is his, completely clothed by him. Uh, Who knows who that is? Yeah, Gilchrist. Some of the, we've almost forgotten about him, haven't we? Uh, but Adam Gilchrist was being interviewed uh, last year and in that interview he was saying how uh, in the Australian cricket team there's this whole sense that you've got to have, well, now we know about it a bit more, don't we? That bravado, uh, that sense that we've got to be better and we've got to, cut, you know, we've got to be good all the time and we're, you know, we're to portray that we're the best. And he says he was continually trying to put on the cloak of bravado because he said underneath he felt like he was a sham, that he was completely hopeless. There's going to be one moment where it's going to be revealed that he's not as good as he should be, uh, that he's not as good as that, and he had this cloak around him. He was ashamed of what he was going to be revealed to be and had this cloak around him. Isn't that interesting? You know, we see the most confident people and we think they've got it all sorted, but they're covering up around it and that shame impacts even them. And even us. Uh, this lady is a very uh, famous poet, an Australian poet. And uh, uh, she was uh, walking down the street of Sydney one day and as she was going past uh, a Vinnie's store, she uh, looked on the table out the front and on the table out the front was these books and they were the ones that were given away for free. And she noticed that her book of poems was on that table. Now she said, I know I shouldn't have done this, I should have just walked past. And she thought, I wonder if I signed that. And I gave it to someone. All right. And so she opened it up and she looked at it and she said, to dear mum and dad. (laughs) She said, the the shame of the... She couldn't believe it. She was mortified to think that her mum and dad had given her first book away and there it is being given out to other people. That shame, isn't it? She felt shame that that was the case. You see, we've felt that, isn't it? Uh, that book by Kurt Thompson that's not that easy to read. Uh, but he said this, we've been looking at it. Shame is something we all experience at some level, more consciously for some than others. Uh, we all feel it and we all experience it. And through our small groups this week, through our gospel communities over this term, we've been talking about that and thinking about that and how it's impacted us and seeing that it impacts everything that we do. Uh, But yet we see in the story of God's story, the true story about the world and us, that he actually deals with that. That he takes that. If you read uh, Matthew 26 and went back and had a look at Jesus' death on the cross, it's it's very ironic. Uh, Because here we see Jesus, the one who is to be truly the king, who is stripped and then clothed with fake king clothing to try and portray him as not what he is. But yet he takes that for us, doesn't he? He puts that on and he bears that for us, the shame of being stripped and taken that all away. And then he's mocked and they ridiculing him being the king and not being the true king. And he does that for us. 
And then on that, he's also ended up, even though they clothe him at the beginning, they strip him naked at the end. You see, sometimes I forget when we see Jesus and we think about him, we don't realise that he was naked on that cross. He was humiliated. And he was humiliated for us. He takes that for us so that we don't have to. You see what happens here, what Jesus does for us? Uh, while he's being devoured, we get to have the feast. While he is taking our filth, we are being washed. While he was being put away and into the, uh, you know, into death, we've given abundance. And while he hangs on the cross, we are given the kingdom. His king, the power of that is given to us. His resurrection power becomes ours. How good is Jesus? Isn't this amazing that he has done that for us? And that's how we are to live now. You see, that's the way that we are to be now. We're the people who live in light of what Jesus has done for us. That we are people who are to live as though we're in the feast. There's people who live because we have the abundance and we've been washed, we've been cleansed. That we're people who live in the power of the resurrection because of what Jesus has done for us. We don't have to wear fig leaves. We don't have to cover up the shame. Jesus has taken it for us. You see, as we get into the New Testament and as we read through it, this becomes a reality for the writers of the New Testament. And this is the things that they say to, as they go through. Luke says, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. This is Jesus. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Notice the wording, the clothed. You see, that's a, it runs through the whole of the Bible, doesn't it? We're to be clothed with the power of Jesus. And we're to have that. And then we're clothed, we go from being clothed with, imperishable to the, sorry, with the perishable to the imperishable. Uh, the death has been swallowed up in the victory of Jesus. We're going to be clothed by, the, by him. And then it says, then, Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed, the head instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, will we not be found naked? We will not know that shame. We're going to long for it, aren't we? We'll long for that time, that period, when it's going to be in perfection. We'll long for that, that time when we stand before God and Jesus and all the others completely washed, beautifully clothed in Jesus. But it's not just here either, is it? This is something that we can start to experience now. It's not just heaven, but it actually breaks in now. That's the phenomenal news of this story, is that it's not just about the end. It's not just pie in the sky when we die. It's actually here and now. It actually enters into now. It's not the perfect yet. That's what we long for, the perfect there. But actually we see it breaking in now. The power of the resurrection, the power of Jesus' death and resurrection breaks into this world today, breaks into our lives now when we put our trust in him. You see, in Colossians, Paul says to us that therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. 
saying that we ought to want to clothe ourselves now with Jesus. Now that's what we're to put on. We're to be clothed with him. And that is something that we want not just for ourselves, but we want for everyone else too. You see, it's not just a personal thing. This is something that we want the rest of Australia to know, the rest of the world to know. You see, this is the answer to the world. At the conference I was at the other week, they had a guy speaking, and we're going to play his talk uh, at some point in time in the near future, whether it's on a Sunday or whether we just invite you to come along, because I think it was one of the most moving talks we had at the conference. Uh, He works with an organisation called the Ravi Zacharias Trust. Uh, If you've ever read some of Ravi's uh, work, he's an amazing apologist. He travels the world uh, explaining why Jesus is the answer. And this guy who works with him grew up in a very uh, well-to-do part of uh, society. And so he has contacts with people all over the world. And he had a meeting just recently with a guy who's one of the uh, CEOs of one of the big banks in the world who has $20 trillion in this bank. Uh, So not many people get an opportunity to speak to a person like that. Uh, But he got a chance and they sat down and they had two hours together. And he said, this gentleman said to him, to this guy, he says, I'm really worried about this world. I reckon we've only got 10 to 15 years before we rip each other apart. He says, in the world today, isolation uh, and that sense of wanting to pull everyone back into their own little world and their own little countries and their own little places is going to destroy us. He says, because people don't forgive. Because there's broken relationships personally and broken relationships on the world front that we're just pulling back into these our little ghettos. And he says, it's going to destroy us. And the guy that's saying, he says, well, I've got the great news. Because I've got the guy who wants to bring reconciliation and forgiveness to individuals, to people in relationships and to countries. See, that's the message of Jesus. Sometimes we forget, don't we? We think, oh, maybe it's an old message. Maybe it's lost. Maybe it's not something this world needs to hear. It, this world desperately needs to hear the message of Jesus. Because that's the message he brings of reconciliation, of forgiveness, of restoration, and of the power to be clothed, to live like Jesus in the world around us. That's what he wants us to be sharing and bringing to the world around us. He wants us to show that to those, that Jesus is that. That we can go from being down and out with sin and shame and wanting to cover up and getting fig leaves to being beautifully dressed in Jesus. And that's what we should be looking to being today. You see, because remember back in Genesis, they told us uh, God said to the people, Adam and Eve, go and be fruitful and increase in number. Well, today, that fruitful and increase in number, I think, has another sense to it as well. Because when we get into the New Testament, the writers use the same language for other being fruitful and increasing in number. Uh, Which is this. Let's keep going. Jesus tells us to be fruitful, doesn't he? He cuts off every branch in me and bears no fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, so it will be even more fruitful. You know, how are we supposed to be more fruitful now? <coughs> is that we become more like Jesus now. That's what the fruitful is now. It's not so much that we need to multiply and fill the world. That's part of it. But this is what he wants us to be now. It's come to be more like him. 
And that pruning can be hard, can't it? That pruning can be very painful at times. But he wants us to be clothed like him, become more like him. Uh, and Paul says in his letter, he says that fruitful labour for him is to become more like Jesus as he goes on. Because what's the fruit of the Spirit? We remember we did this memory verse not long ago. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Forbearance is a lovely word, isn't it? Although patience is another word we can put in there, but I reckon forbearance is even better. Kindness, goodness, faithful, gentleness, and self-control. See, that's the fruit they want. And who is that? That's Jesus. That's what he wants us to be. And as we go out and live that in the power of the Spirit, we're to become more like Jesus in those characteristics. We are to clothe ourselves in the fruit of the Spirit. As we clothe ourselves more in the fruit of the Spirit, then we become more fruitful to live, to be more like Jesus in the world around us. That's the clothing we want to put on. Every morning when you get up and you put your top on, think about putting on the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. That changes your thinking every day, doesn't it? When you think about that every morning as you get out of bed, this is the fruitfulness. Lord, by the power of your Spirit, enable me to live this out today. And the power of the resurrection is the power of the Spirit living within us to make us new every day. To be clothed with Jesus every day. And the increase and fill, and fill the earth, Jesus says in Acts 2 that that is actually to increase in the number of people that know Jesus. He sends us out, doesn't he, to the ends of the earth. He sends us out to see people come to know Jesus throughout the world. That's what the increase in number is now. It's not so much that we have to have a population boost, but it's a population boost who know Jesus. That's how we are to be part of that, isn't it? And Jesus does that, doesn't he? If you look through Acts, that's what happens. He goes out and increases in number. goes from Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And the Spirit is the one that empowers us to do that. You see, the power of the Spirit in Acts is not specifically about gifts. It's about seeing people come to know Jesus more. That's the power of the Spirit in Acts. Because that's what the, the whole... It starts in Acts, it says, go from here to here to here to here to here, and at the end of Acts we get there. Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And he's still on about that. That's the power of the Spirit. As people are becoming more fruitful, being clothed with him and sharing that with the people and it spreads to the world. That is the amazing news of Jesus. That is the future that we have. A future of eternity beautifully dressed with Jesus. A future that impacts and empowers us now to be clothed with Jesus to be fruitful for Jesus, to increase with Jesus by the power of the Spirit that is at work within us. That's our future. That's the future that the Bible paints for you and I. Uh, the song that we're about to sing uh, pulls that together and the line within it you'll see in the chorus that says, In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. That's to be our prayer. 
the resurrected King is resurrecting me. As we pray that, then at the very end of Revelation, this is what we're going to see. As they looked there before me, there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe and people, and language standing before the throne, before the Lamb, before Jesus. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. They were perfectly clothed with Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we I want to thank you, Lord, that by and of ourselves, sin and shame just weigh us down. We want to cover up, we want to hide, we want to hide from each other, we want to hide from you. But Lord, in Jesus, you deal with that. You take that, you change that, you transform us, Lord. You wash us clean. You empower us by your Spirit, Lord. Heavenly Father, we pray that we may be clothed daily with Jesus, that will increase in our fruitfulness and will increase in the numbers of people who know you. Heavenly Father, we thank you that on that last day we'll be beautifully dressed with all those that have washed their robes in Jesus. We thank you for that, Lord, and we pray now as that breaks into this world, as that breaks into this world through us, that by the power of your Spirit, Lord, we will be beautifully clothed. By your Spirit, Lord, we'll be clothed with the fruit of your Spirit. And by your Spirit, Lord, we'll go out and live that and help others to be beautifully clothed with Jesus as well. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.